you see the same challenges over and over and over and over and over again. And the biggest challenges that I've found, and this is the best that I can articulate it without an actual coaching call, which is self-belief, which is how much from zero to 10 do I believe that I can achieve what I want to achieve? That's number one. Number two, and this is the sneaky one, is self-worth. Once I've achieved it, am I going to feel like I deserve it? Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Helping People Perform. Delighted to be joined today. We have from Next Level University, we have CEO and a friend of the show via proxy, really, because we had his business partner, Kevin Palmieri, on as a guest on episode 21, so many episodes ago, and he's had a, a great influence. Um, so first of all, welcome to the show today, and happy birthday for a few days ago, I believe. Uh, we have Alan Lazarus. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, 35 years old. I, I think I might have just hit puberty recently. Um, I look very young if if we are using the video or if you're watching or viewing this on video. Well, I'm sure the wisdom that will come from you will be beyond your years, sir. So let's, uh, let's get into it in terms of finding out what you do and how you help people. But maybe we'll start off with a little bit of your backstory in terms of what got you to where you are today. I think the first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And your energy, very positive, very humble, very clearly service-driven. I know this is going to be great. So thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. Uh, As a fellow podcaster, it's more than people think. So thank you. Uh, Okay, so my story starts in adversity. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way to start. But the first thing I want to say is that it's not just the message, it's the messenger. So while I'm talking about myself, though, I hope other people are are thinking about their own past. And remember that I'm also sharing this story from a place of hindsight, where at the time I didn't understand any of it. And now I kind of do, but I reevaluate my own story year after year. And I think I understand it more and more as right. I grow. Yeah. Um, and I'm a 35-year-old man now as, as, as of, you know, a couple of days ago. So, okay. When I was two years old, the hardship of my life was my father passed away in a car accident. I was I was almost three. My sister was six. And my mom told the story about the police coming to her door and my father passed away in a car accident. And um, my mom was a single mom with two kids. And she said she had a secretarial degree, but this was back when computers were becoming big and she felt very irrelevant in the marketplace. And so she didn't know how she was going to provide for her children. Mm. And so I had a stepfather from age three to 14 and my stepfather left when I was 14. And so the, the challenging part of my story is that growing up and I never used to talk about this, but I think it's important when my father passed away and my stepdad came into the picture, we sort of pretended he was my dad. As a matter of fact, my real last name is actually McCorkle. Okay. It's Alan McCorkle. And and so Lazarus is a Greek last name. My stepfather was Greek. 
And people would always say, you're, you don't look Greek to me. You know, you're the only non-hairy Greek apparently. Um, but I'm, I'm Irish looking, I'm Irish and German and I'm very Irish and McCorkle's a very Irish last name. But anyways, uh, essentially we didn't really spend a ton of time with my birth father's family because we were trying to be sort of a family unit. And that came with a lot of interesting adversity, identity stuff that I didn't understand back then. But fast forward, I have my stepdad's side of the family and I have my mom's side of the family. My mom had a falling out with her side of the family. My stepfather leaves at 14 when I'm 14. Mm. And my sister was older and she was living with her boyfriend. So it was kind of just me and my mom in this house. Uh, The 90s were a very boom time in the US and uh, we did very well. So we went from really poor when my step, uh, when my father passed away to fairly well off upper middle class, you know, snowmobiles and and we had a yacht and we had other apartment buildings. And, you know, my, my stepfather got the yacht and the apartment building. We got the home and the dog and, and we went our separate ways. My mom had a falling out with her side of the family. So I kind of lost that. I didn't know my birth father's side of the family because I was a Lazarus now. And, um, my stepfather took his whole extended family with him. So the the hardest part of my life in hindsight, again, I didn't understand any of this at the time, mm. was number one, I had to be the man of the house at 14, so to speak. And more importantly, I didn't realize this until recently when I have a therapist that I, I work with. I lost three families, essentially, right. Yeah. by the time I'm 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up asking my therapist, you know, listen, you you see a lot of people and you 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 know, I've been doing this for decades and she's in her fifties. It's amazing. And I said, have you ever seen, I mean, where's my trauma level at zero to 10, you know? And and she, she was essentially in tears telling me that she didn't want to say it, but she also wants to be truthful. She said, due to the chronic nature of what you've been through, I mean, it's, it's a 10, It's, it's the highest I've ever seen. And so take that for what it is, but, but really fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. When my stepdad left, I didn't know how I was going to go to college. I had this dream to go to WPI. Have you ever heard of WPI? No. Okay. It's a, it's called Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's kind of like a little mini MIT. Okay. Right. It's, there's this, you know, funny thing of friends don't let friends go to MIT because WPI competes with them kind of, it's a tech school. It's a tech school. And, you know, if you're good at math and science, you go to WPI. So that was my dream. And it was a really expensive school. And I didn't know how I was going to go to school because we didn't have any money. And I went from upper middle class and then my stepdad left to where I was actually getting free lunch at school because of how low our income was. Because my mom was a, a, a cook, lunch lady, and she had very low income. So I had to basically work really hard, get straight A's through high school, get as much scholarships and financial aid as I possibly could. I was very grateful to win something called the President's Award, which means you get a 95 or above GPA every report card for all of high school. Wow. <laughs> and I only got one B. It was a B plus, 89 in honors English class. Never took honors English again after that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I got into my school. I achieved my dream. And then it was challenging. I was a computer engineer. Okay. Uh, that was really difficult. And And then I got my master's in business. And then I went into corporate. And I just job after job after job, job hop, corporate, 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 rise, 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 climb the ladder. I think I had like seven jobs across seven years. And eventually I end up in industrial automation for a company called Cognex. I'm a sales engineer on the road. I'm managing all of Western New England, which is Vermont, 
Western Massachusetts and Connecticut. And I'm on the road and I'm, I'm making a ton of money at this point. I'm making really good money for the time. I, I'm in my early twenties to like mid twenties. Mm. And I'm almost at $200,000 a year US, which is just awesome. Um, but I'm really not that fulfilled. I'm not that happy. Right. Uh, but I am performing. And this is when things change for me forever. So I'm 26 years old. I'm in New Hampshire. I'm with my little cousin, Dan. And we weren't doing anything crazy. We were playing Call of Duty. And we were going to TGI Fridays. And it's a dark winter night, 2016. And this is one of those really bad winters where there's potholes and there's snow banks covering the signs. This is New Hampshire, so a lot of snow. And there was a yield sign that was covered by the snow. And I ended up on the wrong side of the road during this three-way intersection. And I looked up. I was looking down at the GPS. I looked up. And I saw the brightest lights I'd ever seen. At the time, I thought it was a Mack truck. So I thought, I mean, I thought this is it. There's no way that I survived this. Mm. Fortunately, it was a lift-kitted pickup truck. Up in New Hampshire, there's a lot of lift-kitted pickup trucks. I was in a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. I literally used to call this car the tank. So this car was a German-engineered steel trap of a car. I remember I bought it in cash for five grand trying to save money. And it saved my life. Both airbags deployed. Mm. Me and my cousin were fine physically. But remember, I'm 26 at this time. My father died when he was 28 in a car accident. Wow. So for me, physically, I'm okay. But mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I am messed up. And so this for me was my, I joke and I call it my quarter life crisis. And this is the quote that I live by, which is, I wear this true north around my neck. It's a north star. And the idea, it's a reminder really of, Adversities are going to happen and the stars are always there, but sometimes you can't see them until it's dark. Sometimes it takes darkness to see clearly that which we could not within the light. Right. And so for me, there were two stars that I, that I saw in the dark because I was in mental, emotional and spiritual darkness for sure of, I was in an armchair drinking whiskey. What if that was it? My dad died in a car accident you know, for my little cousin, he was tweeting about it. He's invincible. He's 17. Not a big deal. I'm 26 going, listen, that really could have been it. Mm -hmm. And I know that viscerally because I experienced it as a kid with the ripple effect of my dad dying. So I was messed up and I found two stars I had never seen before in that darkness. One was a book by Bronnie Ware. Have you ever heard of top five? Okay. Awesome. So it's called the top five regrets of the dying. Yep. I actually carry a flashcard with me at all times. I have these tattered flashcards that I uh, are on video right now. They're all kind of nasty because I've been carrying them for years. Uh, but anyways, the top five regrets of the dying is is one of the flashcards that I always have in my on my person. Yeah, and it's it's actually ripped in two. But the number one regret of the dying by this woman, her name's Bronnie Ware. We've actually interviewed her twice, and she wrote a book. She worked in hospice for eight years with terminally ill patients and she found out she thought her job was to take care of them when in reality it was actually to listen mm. in, in her words not mine in the book and she said every single person who was terminally ill i noticed these patterns of regrets mm. everyone said i wish i wish i wish and so she wrote a book about it and in the book she said the number one regret of the dying is i wish i had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me 
And so for me, after 26, sort of facing the the almost death experience, and this car was totaled. I mean, it was really totaled. That got me to face the fact that I was living a life not true to myself. Mm. And so I made a promise to myself that day that I would forever live a life true to myself. I used to be all about achievement, yeah, but not about fulfillment. Yeah. And it was external achievement. Mm. And after that, I found this other star in the sky, two stars. One was Tony Robbins' TED Talk. Now, regardless of whether or not you like Tony, and I respect Tony for what he's done in the world very much, but his TED Talk is world-class, world-class. And when I found that, I was like, oh my God, personal development is the solution to all of my problems. And ever since then, to say I went all in on personal development is just an understatement. And now I built my whole company and my whole life around it. So that's what changed my life. And that's actually, you know, kind of how I became this. And that was, so now I'm 35. So that was nine years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some amazing parts of that uh, story all the way through. And I've written down a couple of notes here because I think one of them was the ability to tell that story with the element of self-reflection. And I actually interviewed somebody else recently um, on the show who told his um, rock bottom story, if you will, from two perspectives. One was the person he was at the time going through it. And the other was looking back on it in reflection. Whoa. And, and it's, you know, it's like at the time didn't see anything happening, you know, and was just busy, busy, busy trying to be that outward facing successful individual. And then comes home and, and you know, his wife had left him essentially and left the note there and everything, wall, walls come crumbling down essentially. But he said on reflection, all of the signs were there. You know, everything was there and he could see how he was slipping into these patterns of behavior and all the rest of it. So I think for any of our listeners, you know, that, that in itself of what you're going through right now, that in five, 10, 15 years time, you're going to be able to look back on this from a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And the key is that you learn from that and you, you make the positive changes that you obviously have. You know, you could have wallowed. Uh, and you could have found yourself in that um, position. At I, did, I did a little bit. I did a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's how how long you allow yourself to be in that that position, isn't it? And uh, before you you take action, and and that's always been something for me. Is like, what's the one step I'm going to take? What's the one thing that's going to move from? Oh, I've just watched a TED talk. Isn't that exciting? To actually, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to change my behaviors. Nice. I'm going to do something different. And that, that and that's brilliant. So. I mean, talk to me about what that led to in terms of what you do now, who you help and how you help them. All right. So it's interesting. I'm actually reading a book right now called Who Do You Want to Be a Hero To? And more hero guide type of thing. Mm. I actually have this written heart-driven individuals with low self-worth who are sick and tired of being held back by themselves and others. And what's interesting, again, is that in the beginning, I didn't know that was who I was going to help. In the beginning, I saw Tony Robbins' TED Talk, and I just knew, okay, that's where I'm headed. I'm going to do whatever he's doing. I want to help people transform their lives. Because quite frankly, my childhood had no personal development. It wasn't Mm. personal growth, personal development, personal transformation. There wasn't anyone who went to therapy. It it was just not a growth-oriented environment small town, just 
small town mentality, all that. And I just looked around and I thought to myself, people used to say this all the time. These are the best years of your life. Mm. When I was in high school, they used to say that. And I remember thinking like, God, I hope not. Because this is like awful, you know? And (laughs) they were wrong, fortunately, because I'm 35 now. And I'll tell you what, my life is a million times better than it was when I was in high school. Um, But it turns out that only happens if you improve. So you can change your mom or you can try to change your your economy or you can change where you live. But if you don't change yourself, you're not really going to be more fulfilled. And so to answer your original question uh, there, what, what am I doing now? I'm helping people become more successful towards their next level of success in health, wealth, and love. Health is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Wealth is how you make your money. In other words, what do you do and do you love it? And then number two is how much do you make? Is it increasing or decreasing? And then where do you invest it? Mm -hmm. And then the love piece is intimate relationships first. I have a podcast with my intimate partner. Her name's Emilia. And we have a podcast called the Conscious Couples Podcast where we help relationships flourish. And so- health, wealth, and love. And the love piece is intimate relationship, friends, family, colleagues, clients, mentors, mentees, the whole nine. And health, wealth, and love is sort of our holistic self-improvement formula Mm -hmm. to make sure that, because I always, you know, I had tons of mentors and coaches and I went on this crazy journey of learning from everybody. And I, I had these one mentor who's super wealthy, you know, CEO of robotics companies and but he's not healthy. Right. You know, and then you've got someone who's healthy but not wealthy. And then you've got someone who's healthy and wealthy but not in love. And you know, they take better care of their Porsche than their family. And and for Kevin and I in particular, Kevin's my business partner. Some of your listeners have met him. Yeah. That's unacceptable. And 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 really what it comes down to and this is interesting. Kevin and I both grew up without fathers. I know he told his story on your show. And I didn't know any of this at the time, but Kevin and I are together for a reason and it's becoming more clear as we get older, but we grew up in the same small town. His father left when he was born. Mm. My father died when I was two and we both were raised by two women. I was raised by my mom and my older sister. My stepdad was around, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. And he was raised by his mom and his Mima, which is his, his grandma. And it's just starting to make sense. And and really the truth of the matter is we didn't have male role models growing up. And because that was our deepest pain, again, in hindsight, it's clear that that's really our purpose is be the male role models that we never had and try to help people create bigger, brighter, better futures. And that's why we created Next Level University and all these different things that we do in the world, blog and podcasts and website and speeches and trainings and we have a 21 person team now and all that but it really just started small and it built over time because we were consistent and we were super 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 focused on getting better and now we're 1500 episodes in and it's i'll tell you what uh we were pretty bad at the beginning but 1500 times you better be decent at this point <laughs> well, you most certainly are and i think i was just looking at that before uh we hit record here and it's like 1527 i think you're on at the time of recording here and that's i mean when we had the conversation with kevin which is back in episode 21 uh you know and if you listen to his podcast in uh podcast 
you know, podcast growth university you know, yep. consistency. You know, it, it's this is the same in next level you, isn't it? In terms of it's the consistency element that over time, you know, that it doesn't matter how bad you are to begin with, you know, if get going, improve, take that next step, take that next step and always look to be improved. And I think that's a, one of the key things that I took from that conversation and this conversation that we're having here now. So I think that's brilliant. Oh, I, I send this to my clients who are struggling with self-belief. I, I say, I've got it unlisted because it's not public. It's on my YouTube. It's my very first YouTube video. And this is nine years ago. I created a series called Real Life Superheroes. And I had a little Superman shirt on and I was in front of a whiteboard and I had my notebook, right? And I said, if you think you're bad, <laughs> I want you to watch this video and then tell me that you can't do this because here's the philosophical question. If I didn't have the courage to post that YouTube video, would I be 1,500? See, we see people at the end. Yeah, I'm 1,527 episodes in. So if you listen, but if you go back and listen to the first episode, it's really not good. And I'm not trying to be you know, modest at my own expense. I, It actually isn't good because everyone sucks at first. Mm. And if you can just embrace that, and I, my analogy is how do you get good at chess? You go lose a bunch of chess. Just to, just fail forward as much as possible. And if we get even 1% better mm. each episode, I actually crunched the math. We're over a thousand times better. Yeah. If you just get a little bit better each time. And so if I'm even remotely good on this episode right here, it's, it's, it's not because I'm anything special. It's because I have been consistent for the last nine years in practicing mm. speaking effectively. No, brilliant. I mean, it's such a great lesson to learn in any part of life really isn't it and uh and i'm really keen in terms of if people are engaging with next level you so how do they how do they do that how do they engage with next level university and how do they engage with you you know what's your role uh, within that you know you say you're ceo but you i know you do some coaching on top of that as well so tell us a bit more about what that looks like for someone who's engaging with the service should we say uh, i light up when you ask i really appreciate it we have 23 departments in our company, we have a 21 person team now, and we started with just Kevin and I doing everything ourselves. Yeah. So it's been a long journey. Seven, we're coming into our 24, 2024 will be our seventh year in business. And we have three different podcasts between the two of us. Uh, how do I add value? I coach coaches. I also am a business coach. I started down my coaching journey seven years ago, and I was a fitness coach. And I was a mindset coach and I was a peak performance coach and I was a high performance coach. I was trying to find myself. Yeah. And the way you find yourself, ironically, is just coach a bunch of people. I started for free. Then it was 50 bucks a week. Then it was 100 bucks a week. And then it went up from there. Yeah. Now I have 17 clients, all business owners. And I, I really, we call it listeners, longers, and business owners. So our business model is big. We have 23 departments. The, the, the top of the business model, so to speak, social media and the podcast is for listeners, people who yeah. want to get to the next level of life, love, health, and wealth. The next level is longers. Longers are people actually like yourself who want to create their own community, want to create their own podcast. And we actually have a podcast production agency. Yeah. And that's, you already referenced Podcast Growth University which is yeah. a podcast about podcasts for podcasters, <laughs> which is how to grow your show, <laughs> scale your show, monetize your show. It's awesome. Yeah. And because we've learned a lot on this 1500 episode journey. And so if we can give you the cheat codes in advance, I can't tell you you'll skip steps, but you'll definitely do it faster than we did. Yeah. 
And then you have business owners. So listeners are people who want to learn from us. Longers are people who want to build their own communities and their own podcasts and their own uh, video production. And then business owners are people who really do actually want to go from sole proprietor to like building a team, building a real business, having an org structure, having chief officers, like that kind of thing. And so that's where my MBA comes in. And I'm really an engineer at heart. And so Kevin is sort of the, I'm going to go out, I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to add value. I'm going to serve. He's likable. He's relatable. I'm more of the freaky engineer, math, science guru guy who's behind the scenes doing the org structure and coaching the team. So I coach one-on-one clients. We have a group coaching program. And then I coach coaches on how to coach called Next Level Coaching. And uh, as overwhelming as all of that is, we do monthly meetups, all this other stuff. But the point is, is that I do coach people. And if you are a business owner who wants to grow and scale your business, I'm your guy. If you are a podcaster who wants to grow, scale, and monetize your podcast, Kevin is your guy, not me. So. No, it's uh, um, you know, as as you know, I've engaged in both the sort of uh, interviewing and speaking to Kevin, but also in the in the podcast growth um, podcast. That's been inspirational for me in terms of just picking up on the bits that accelerate and it doesn't do anything for you, but it tells you the things to look out for and you know what can you do to just have a little tweak here and there. And it's uh, some of the things you've never thought of that only someone who's been through it so much. And I think that's comes comes across in terms of the coaching as well you know you you've been through it you can have that conversation you can talk about the expertise and the experience that comes with taking something from you know with a two-man band if you will through to uh, you know the organization that you've got right now which is a, a fantastic story of growth in itself thank you thank you paul what i've found really fascinating is that most people think so i i track my coaching the amount of coaching calls i've done and i just surpassed 4700 and I, I, that's 4,700 hours. And I always go over Kevin's I'm always late. You know, I'm always going over. I'm always going over. I'm long winded. I, I, I just am. Okay. So, uh, the reason that I think a lot of people are struggling, the best part about being a coach is you realize that this is not a me problem. This is a human problem. If you're a podcaster, I'm telling you that the challenges you're going to face are very similar to the challenges we faced. If you're a human being, the challenges you face towards your own success and fulfillment are similar to the... So the coolest part about coaching so many people from different backgrounds, different countries, different... The best part of coaching for me has been, okay, so I've coached people from all these different countries, Australia and New Zealand and one in Spain, one from Italy for years, you know, tons in Canada... Um, all these different places, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different industries, all different goals and dreams. And yet you see the same challenges over and over and over and over and over again. And the biggest challenges that I've found, and this is the best that I can articulate it without an actual coaching call, which is self-belief, which is how much from zero to 10 do I believe that I can achieve what I want to achieve? That's number one. Number two, and this is the sneaky one, is self-worth. Once I've achieved it, am I going to feel like I deserve it? And that's the deserve it factor. Mm. And if you don't have high self-belief and high self-worth, 
it's very difficult to not self-sabotage and to, and, and one last piece here, everyone I've found is af- afraid of one or both of these things. Mm-hmm. And I never used to think this, but now I understand this is a thing. It's not a you thing. It's a thing. Number one, fear of failure. Everyone knows that one. I never fully resonated with that. I I feel like failing forward was easy. Just keep, get up, try again, that kind of thing. And I know that's not relatable, but that's my truth. The second one, I never knew until probably 30, fear of success. Yeah. And it makes no sense. Why would you be afraid of success? Isn't that the point? No, 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 no. Because every time you succeed at a greater level, your relationships sometimes get strained. And so Kevin and I, because we're such close business partners, he was afraid of failure. I was afraid of success. And some people are afraid of both. And we stay in this little comfort zone. I want to not be a failure compared to my peers. I got to make sure I'm in the middle of the pack here. I'm not going to be a failure, but I don't want to be so successful that I get ostracized from the group. Yeah. And so we all stay in this little comfort zone of not too much of a failure, but not too much of a success either. And we get stuck. Oh, such a a wonderful thing for people to think about for themselves and just see if that resonates with you. Because, you know, certainly it does for me uh, because you do. It's so ingrained in society, the fear of failure. You know, failure is always seen as a bad thing. And some people have got a very healthy attitude to failure. Um, Some people have got such a poor attitude to failure or a um, self-sabotaging attitude to failure that they won't even start or try anything. But it's that. Are you the opposite of that in terms of will you try anything, but secretly you're sabotaging the success element of it? Because you, you, if I'm trying lots of different things, look, I'm trying, I'm trying. Oh, I didn't get there again. Oh, I'll try something else. I'll try something else. But oh, it's a, a really interesting angle. And I, I just love the work that you guys are doing to help people with that whole self um, and recognize that success in one area without success in the other areas is not success overall and i think that's it really well said well said paul that's i've come to realize that that's rarer than i thought Mm. um but for me kevin and i talk about this all the time we can't separate the the success and the character so for example we have a book club and we do it every week i actually just came up on two years and it's we're reading brendan burchard's high performance habits which is very relatable to this podcast because Mm -hmm. performance, high performance. And I told book club, I said, listen, I'm friends with Brandon's friend. His name's Anthony. And I asked him, I've interviewed him. I've hung out with him. I said, what's he like? Mm -hmm. If I find out that Brandon Burchard is not a respectful, virtuous man, I'm going to get rid of this book. (laughs) And the reason why is because I can't have, I can't separate your character from your work. There are too many, in my opinion, people who are not walking their talk. And I hope, and that's Kevin and I, we talk talk about character over everything. Hashtag character over everything. We have a 21-person team, primarily amazing, empowered women. And we focus on who we are behind the scenes just as much, if not more, Mm. as who I am on this camera. And I think that the holistic thing, that's rare. Yeah, it's so rare. And that's why I hope I hope it will be attractive to people, because I think we need well-rounded role models who 
are not one dimensional and who want to be holistically well and holistically successful and holistically fulfilled because I tried the wealth thing and my health deteriorated. But to me, I don't want to be wealthy and unhealthy. And I don't want to be healthy and unwealthy. I did both of those. <laughs> I did both of those. <laughs> Neither one was good, you know? <laughs> so maybe that takes us to a, a nice little segue into the next part of the podcast where I'll, I'll talk to people about how do you stay on top of your game? What are the things that you do to help you be at your best? A lot of things, but habit tracking. Right. So we actually have an app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not going to plug my app. I We have an app that habit tracks. I'm not going to plug it. The yeah. point is, I don't want this to turn into like a whole plug thing. Here's my point. I have been, I have these little black notebooks right behind me. Yep. After my car accident at 26. Have you ever read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography? No. Okay. Uh, for my 35th birthday, Emilia actually got me a copy of his autobiography because I only had it on my Kindle. And it's from 1935. So this is one of those books that you have to like wash your hands after, after, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so awesome. One of the best gifts ever. But after that car accident, I had Benjamin Franklin's autobiography on my Kindle and I used to read it. And Benjamin Franklin, what a lot of people don't know, they know him about the kite and they know, you know, electricity, bifocals, whatever. What they don't know is that he actually had a journal where he tracked his 13 chief virtues every single day. And so I had this idea of, I'm going to track these habits and I have these little notebooks behind me and I have these habits written out. And I used to literally erase the check mark and then rewrite the check mark, erase the check mark every single day. And there's all these erase marks. It's all like tattered. <laughs> but eventually we started doing that in Google Sheets. Right. And then eventually we created our own app. And so that's how I keep my thing together. Right now, I think I'm at 28 habits a day. Now, wow. Keep in mind, I don't do them all every day. We have something called TPO, total productive output, quote unquote. And they're really just triggers. So so when I'm done with this interview, I'm going to pull up my spreadsheet and I'm going to see what I haven't done yet today. Right. And one of them is hydration. Did I hydrate well enough? Do I get a check or not? And it's green light, yellow light, red light. I like to keep things as simple as possible. Green light means one. Yellow light means 0 0.5. Uh, red light means zero. And, and obviously, if I hydrate 100 ounces today, I get green, I get a one. If I do 50 ounces, I get you know a, a 0 0.5. And if I get no ounces of water, I would get a zero, which obviously is not good. But that's just one of the many habits. And the cool part in this the last, we started out with only five. Yeah. Kevin was like, dude, why would you track habits? Now I've got him so addicted to habit tracking yeah. that he he can't believe he ever said that. Yeah. We started with five. He does like 25 a day now. Yeah. And he might have told you about that on, yeah, on episode did. 21. He I did awesome. Very passionate about it. <laughs> That's one thing that I've found really fascinating. I think we're one of the fewer podcasters in this space that that track habits every single day. And my whole team does it. So we all track habits and we all have reports. Total productive output is what we call it. And it's like, okay, you got 60. So I was on the phone with a client earlier, 69%. Okay, awesome. Cool. What do we need to change? What do we have to get rid of? What do we have to tweak? What do we have to add? And so it sounds complex and heavy. All it really starts with is, hey, I want to get eight hours of sleep. Hey, I want to get 30 minutes of exercise. Hey, I want to journal today. And then, you know, I want to be grateful. 
And, you know, one more would be, I don't know, read 20 minutes. So for me, I have 20 minutes of learning as one of my habits every single day. And you just get in the habit of doing this. And eventually the compound effect of those positive, constructive things that you're doing, they accumulate so powerfully. And nine years into habit tracking, it is really starting to pay off. I mean, I don't know if you've heard that quote of 80% of the results come in the last 20% of the journey. I think this is why young people have such low self-worth. You know, I, I remember my first job, $7 and 25 cents an hour. And I was grateful. Yeah. I was a cart kid and a bus boy at a golf course. And, and every girl overlooked me. I was, I was insignificant and I was just grinding and I was, I was the smart kid, quote unquote, but I was always playing the long game. Right. And here I am 35 going, it has so worked. Like <laughs> this is, this is working. It's actually working. So I know it sounds like a pain in the butt, but it will change your world if you start habit tracking. No, it's a, a wonderful example. And uh, um, I'm going to ask you, what is the app? I'm not going to let you get away with at least not telling us what it is um, so it, or where, where people can find it. Okay. So on nextleveluniverse.com, yep. there's a tab called software and it has a little drop down and there should be a, it says optimal. The name of the app is optimal. It's a web app. It's Google Sheets based. It's called, it's Glide. It's built on Glide app. We're, we're not on the app store yet. So you got to go to the website yeah. and you can download it onto your phone and then you can use it from there. On the landing page of the website, there's a video that tells you how to use it. It starts you off at three. And then when you prove that you can do 75% at least, then you jump to six, then you jump to nine. So it's kind of gamified yeah. where you don't level up until you prove it to yourself. And the idea is if you had a friend who kept, if you had a friend who broke as many promises to you as you've broken to yourself, how much would you value that friendship? Mm -hmm. So we talk about self-worth. What I'm doing with my clients is I'm helping them build self-worth and self-belief through keeping the promises they make to themselves, the small promises. And, and when you start there, then, I mean, if you can't do the small things, you're going to have a really hard time when the big things come. Yeah. And so the fundamentals, 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 make it the simple stuff. And, and the last little golden nugget I'll give is, what I'm doing in coaching is I'm always trying to figure out what does someone tie their self-esteem to? So if I was coaching you, Paul, I would I would ask myself the question of what is his self-esteem unconsciously tied to? I'll give you one tiny example. I coach a woman, her name's Amy. Her self-esteem is super tied to physical fitness. It was the one mountain she could never seem to conquer. Everything else was winning. That's the one. Now she's coming up on a full year of 30 minutes of exercise a day crazy. If I had told her, Hey, you're going to do a full year. She would have said, no way. That's impossible. Started her small 30 minutes a day walking counts. Yep. And fast forward, fast forward day by day, track, track, track day by day. The, then she gets a streak going. Yeah. And then eventually it's just don't break the streak. Yeah. Now she's over a year and her self-esteem is through the roof. All I had to do was find that one leverage point. When she dials up her self-esteem now she's going to flourish. Yes, her relationships might suffer. Mm. Because when you start to get bigger and brighter and better, sometimes people react negatively to that. But she's flourishing. And that's really what I'm doing is, and, and for the listeners, ask yourself, what is my self-esteem really tied to? So for me, when I'm not in the gym weight training, it really negatively affects my self-esteem. I used to be 
the lanky kid who was so overlooked and I could never build muscle. I was cross country, skinny, skinny, skinny. And for me, when I don't weight train and when I don't get in the gym, it really negatively affects my self-esteem. And then that ripples into my relationships, that ripples into my business. And so I got to make sure that I put in the work Mm. for me and let it ripple outward versus serving everyone else at the expense of myself. Oh, such an important lesson. And I know something that I, uh, you know, I found myself guilty of <laughs> and something that I think anybody or, or any of my listeners is like, what's that? What's that one thing that, you know, I've it, particularly if you start feeling I'm doing everything else at the expense of this. And I think with a lot of my listeners, certainly a lot of people I speak to, a lot of colleagues and uh, solopreneurs who are there giving so much to others and, and serving others and adding value. It's actually, what are you doing backwards? You know, what are you adding value inwards? And it seems counterintuitive in, in some ways to say, you know, you, your job is to do this and go point, you, you give that value outwards. What, what value is it to, to be so selfish? And actually it's huge value to everybody because it builds you, it builds your offering, it builds you the value that you can, you can give through energy, through uh, sort of the educational side of it whatever it might be so yeah very wise words so something i'm going to reflect on heavily myself (laughs) thank you paul and and well said by the way the the question that i would get everyone to ask themselves what if what's best for you is what's best for the world Mm. now with some people dangerous question (laughs) (laughs) with you it probably is true because if you are a virtuous person who wants to serve, that's already a naturally a natural part of you. Mm. Um, I had this one person in book club say, I think I'm a narcissist. I said, listen, narcissists don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're definitely not. That's like my girlfriend came to me. She's like, you're the most humble man I've ever met. And I, I literally was like, I've been called arrogant my whole life. I, I'm very confident. I get it. I do. But I'm like, I appreciate it, sweetheart. But I've never ever considered myself humble. I've never identified as that. And she said, Alan, that's exactly what a humble person would say. And I was like, oh, am I humble? Right. And then I lost my humility. It's hilarious. But like, that's my point is these people that are afraid to be selfish are actually the most selfless. It's the people that aren't concerned about being selfish that are what you got to worry about. Oh, fantastic. Um, Couple of quick questions. Um, if you could help anyone, you know, with your skill set, uh, be that an individual, a team, or an organization, who would you want to target to to say, right, I could really help them with lift up their performance? Uh, I have this written in the corner of my room. It says, "You are here to maximize your own unique potential and help others do the same. Everything else is secondary." That's kind of broad. Um, that's a note to myself. Uh, that's what I'm here to do. I, I don't talk about the weather. I don't talk about, you know, anything other than goals and dreams and getting better. I, I just, it's just who I am. And I used to hide that. I don't anymore. If you have big goals and you have big dreams and you want to get better and you want to grow and you want to have impact and profit too, mm-hmm. I'm your guy. I'll be your best friend. If you want to stay where you are, I am just going to be a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. And so who do I want to help? Individuals, teams, and businesses who want to have a bigger, brighter, better future. No matter how hard your past has been, mine was honestly awful. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was not good to an extent that I couldn't articulate publicly. Yeah. But if you had a hard past, 
you still have a spotless future. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more empowering. You have a spotless future and you can choose differently. One new mentor, one new coach, one new book. I downloaded like six books today. A guy named Dan Sullivan, he has a company called Strategic Coach. I love his brain. And that that decision today to download those six books, that might change my life forever. Mm-hmm. My future just got bigger and brighter. And I spent what, five books on each five bucks on each of them? Yeah. You know, on Audible. And that's all I'm saying is if you have people, places, things, and ideas in your life that are taking away or diminishing your drive for a brighter future, that's toxic. If you the people that I help, the people that I want to help are the people who are like, listen, I know I'm capable of more. And I'm humble enough to admit that I, I can't do it alone because none of us can. That's who I want to help. And yeah, business owners, yeah. but most importantly, impact-driven business owners. I don't want, I actually had a wine company come to me and ask me to help them. Um, and I, I said, listen, I don't have anything against you personally. I quit drinking now it's coming up on five years ago and alcohol for me has been extremely detrimental and growing up around a lot of it and all that. I can't congruently help you grow a company that, that is bringing more alcohol in the world. So it's, it's a no for me, Mm -hmm. but good luck. And I also honor your choice. I honor your choice. And so who do I want to help? I want to help heart driven people who are for expansion and for growth and who are willing to crawl through adversity to get there. Brilliant. Oh, so if you, if you resonate with that, certainly get in touch and, and start off by, uh, maybe just start off by listening to uh, some of the amazing episodes on uh, Next Level University and I'll make sure all the show notes are, are copied in there. But I'm going to reverse that question a little bit and say, if you could sit down and, and have a meal, have a coffee, have a chat with anybody who you think would level up your uh, game, um, who would you want that to be? My goodness. Uh, Emilia asked me, she had already ordered the book by Benjamin Franklin and uh, for my birthday last week. And she asked me before bed, we'd do pillow talks. And uh, she asked me if you could spend time with five people in history, who would it be? And I said, Leonardo da Vinci. I said, Steve Jobs. I said, Benjamin Franklin. And then I said two others, I, Victor Frankel, Victor Frankel, who wrote A Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, I've listened and or read that book probably 50 times. I mean, it's it's just so good. If you've never read Victor Frankel's A Man's Search for Meaning, and for the women out there, it's not just men. He means yeah. mankind. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. And then who was my fifth? Who was my fifth? Ah, Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he seems like a virtuous leader. He really does. Yeah. So th- that was what it was. And so that would be my answer. I know I didn't give you one. I gave you five. No, it's all good. We, we, we allow that. We, we allow she, was so, she, <laughs> she was so pumped when she found out Benjamin Franklin was in it. Brilliant. She's like, I knew it. And she, she actually said when I said Benjamin Franklin, because he was the third one I said. And she's like, oh, I have a surprise for you for your birthday. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait, you know? And I was like, okay. Cool. <laughs> nice. Now, or it's like 11 o'clock at night. What are we doing here? So. Brilliant. I mean, there's so much amazing stuff. I mean, I could happily talk for for hours on this, but if people want to um, engage with you more and find out more about who you are, what you do, 
where do people go to to connect? Nextleveluniverse.com, spelt just like it sounds. Yep. And we just actually rebranded the podcast avatar. So we're actually working on rebranding the website, but it's the information is all up to date. So yep. nextleveluniverse.com, spelt just like it sounds. Alan at nextleveluniverse.com. You can email me anytime. And just please provide context. Just say, hey, because I get a lot of obviously spam emails. I think we all do. Yep. Hey, I heard you on this podcast with Paul and I just wanted to reach out and learn more. Awesome. I would love to connect with you. Do not spam email me, please. <laughs> Do not add me to your mailing list randomly. That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and you know, let, let's I think everybody um who's listening in, you know, there's so much to gain from this episode and so many great things. If you if you do have the opportunity to go and look at just looking at Next Level University, the, the podcast there, fifteen hundred episodes with some amazing content all the way through. So so go in. I think Kevin from memory recommended people start back at about the thousand mark. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the stuff before that we were just learning. Yeah, but yeah. but um, there's some amazing stuff in there. But I mean, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and all, all your stuff and all your stories today. And thanks for being on the show today, Alan Lazarus. Paul, thank you. This was a breath of fresh air. I've been going, I just started going back on podcasts actually recently. And you are very clearly heart driven, service oriented, and you're a win win type of guy who, who, knows that I don't have to lose for you to win and you don't have to lose for me to win. And honestly, I appreciate you. This was a breath of fresh air. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you. See you again. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.